0: Your Real Money Talks host, Laurel Langmire gets straight to the point about what it actually takes to make money and build lasting wealth in today's changing economic climate. If you're ready to get the financial results you've always dreamed of, keep listening. Real Money Talks is the right place for you. And now here's your host, Laurel Langmire.
1: Hi, welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks. And we are here to talk about how to make money, how to keep it, how to invest it. And how do you put a team together to do all this? Today, I have a partner and a friend of mine, Dave Hare, on the phone. We're gonna talk about money rules and due diligence. And we're gonna have Dave on a regular basis. Uh, We do a lot of different uh, projects together. Dave, I'm gonna have us use our new marina in Texas as an example of just how a deal gets done. Uh, But before that, let's talk a little bit about due diligence and your money rules and how that actually comes about for people because most people don't have that conversation.
2: Well, at the end of the day, it's all about planning, planning, and planning. I can't stress enough. You have to have your ducks in a row before you start getting into something like this. These are not closing deals that you close in 30 days or less. They take 90, 180 days, sometimes even longer. It can be very, very stressful, time-consuming, and at the end, you could lose it. You could end up walking away from the deal. Uh, I've done three this year where... Two out of the three, we had to walk away for some reason or another. So it's like in construction, when you measure twice and you cut once. First of all, know your money rules and is your investment congruent with them? It's like trying to put a round peg into a square hole. You want to make sure this is something that is part of your money rules, not part of someone else's and that's that's key. you want to make sure you're going to be happy going into something this. This is a commitment, and it's a bigger commitment. so that said let's let's move on.
1: So just talk through like when people think about money rules, because that's one of the things people you know will come with money or and say, "Well, you know, can you invest well, Dave's an accountant, cross border accountant Canada, United States. I'm an educator. We do surround ourselves with a lot of other tax strategies, lawyers. I you always know, say that alternative financial planners, tax advice, legal advice, and financial advice comes from those who have licenses to do it. We're just in the conversation. And the whole premise of Live Out Loud is to be in this conversation and starts with money rules. I don't know how many hours Dave and I spend on calls with clients saying, well, I have this money I need to invest. And we'll say, what's your money rules? So maybe just go through, Dave, like kind of a handful of what money rules are and how people would decide them in addition to the planning, planning, planning.
2: <laughs> yes. The one thing that they're going to be asking any any banker, investor, anybody that wants to get into the deal is going to ask, What is your exit strategy? And you have to know it. You have to know, Are you looking for a three to five year play? Are you looking to refinance them at some point, get them out and stay in it yourself at the end of the day? You have to start off with the leadership team. Is the leadership team a strong team? Is there an operation team and a finance team? If you're a finance guy, like myself going into uh, like a marina I have. I don't know enough about marinas. I don't know enough about the operations side. So that's why I brought in someone who knows the operations, who has the equity play in the the position as well, that can do the operations for me. Because I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved in those day-to-day operations involved. So those types of things you have to be careful with. They're going to be the key to any bankers, any investors going into those large deals. Another is, is there big money involved investing into this? Who are the big players and why are they investing? What do they see? Who has oversight on the books now and after the closing? The one thing that comes up is, is it family owned? And about that oversight, I ran into a situation where there was a father and a grandson. There was a actually grandmother, father, and then son. And this... It, it turned out to be quite a mess where the grandson was the one stealing the money from the, from the business. They were stealing from his own family.
1: And it wasn't until you really dug through as an accountant and found it. I mean, that didn't, that's how, you know, when we find deals, we're looking for, think of a fix and flip. So we just like to do it in businesses. We do it in real estate as well, but, you know, this was a, a huge find. I mean, how much, how much, when you calculate it Dave had the, the kid been stealing?
2: Uh, he was stealing on average about $25,000 every two weeks.
1: Which is just shocking from an accounting standpoint, which means they didn't you know, even watch for it.
2: No, and uh, there were several, on top of that, there were several thousand dollars in cash that's been basically unaccounted for. He was responsible for the cash intake and that was going out the door as fast as this had come in. You know, when I pulled up into the parking lot and saw his 2017 vet, you knew right away that because his his wage was certainly not a two thousand seventeen vet, put it that way. And and that's when it came out. Um, you know, I I'd run the numbers, looked at it very closely, didn't like it, didn't like to see and I I did a visit to the uh site and at that point that's when it all came out. At the end of the day, we end up walking away from that deal because the father he obviously has now known now knows that the the son is is taking money and the whole family is it's in an a mess. And we said we'd come back several years from now.
1: And so some of the things I know for our money rules, you know, we do background checks on everybody and I think that's usually shocking for someone. We do thorough background I mean, thank God we did one on the, the Montana property, right? I mean that's just another horror story that we could go into. But so what are some other ones just I mean, cash flow, appreciation, like basic things that as you're listening and you're putting your money rules list together, just other things that people need to be thinking about as they are doing due diligence, obviously your rate of return, how long you want your money invested, what would be some other ones you'd add to that list, Dave?
2: On that is when you're looking at the numbers, sometimes the numbers may or may not make sense. If you're looking at, sure, rate of return or... What type of assets you have involved in there is, and is there leased assets? Do you have leased assets going on versus owned assets? How long is the leased assets good for? Uh, we ran in with situation with the Corps of Engineers. We have half our property, or more than half our property owned, then the rest is leased by the Corps of Engineers. So you want to make sure you have a long-term leasing option on that. Then you have a good relationship with the Corps of Engineers years but those assets are going to be your you know your your story your future if you have assets that are are old and crumbly you're going to run into troubles uh, you have to make sure that those are strong assets moving forward and they'll support the business going forward and even if your ret- rate of return looks high or even if it doesn't look high what is the story behind the story and that's where we find out a lot of information. We had a gentleman that we spent, he spent a month and a half on this campus before we closed. So we could find out the story behind the story and what was involved. Was there and Again, this was another family owned and the issues behind it. I'm in Texas here at a marina. They didn't have a beer and wine license not sure why it may be an ethical thing for them but in texas everybody likes their beer and wine here for sure you know we understood there used to be about a booming business in in here at at one point with because of the beer and wine we had three mechanics working at at one time now there's none because these apparently this they got scared away from the last owners so it's it's all about what the story is behind it and what are the opportunities you know we have a chance to to triple the size of this footprint again and bring it back to its glory days and and there's we're getting phone calls every day saying well I see you're doing some work on the property we'd love to come back and we're getting those reservations for the summer to come back and and really enjoy it we're bringing in bands farmers' markets and um you know kids bouncy huts and all that <laughs>
1: So money rules is just something all of you, you know, really, really, and I love that you brought up the story, with the story, because the story of uh, Uncle Gus, which is the marina, and we're going to kind of transition to that a little bit. I want to back you way up to how did you even find it? Because I think a lot of people don't know how to find, real estate sort of has an obvious track, but businesses don't. And there's not like big for sale signs typically on businesses. They're done through brokers or private deals. So kind of speak to that. So people also get some learning. So in addition to your money rules, how do you do the due diligence of finding some great deals? Because we find them all the time.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I about six months before I went into business, I started going around to all events, you know, obviously signing up with the big table, all those, you know, the meetups.com, all those type of things, networking, 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 and I ended up finding my contact through actually it was through one of Laurel's events, and it was a you know friend of a friend and. Then all of a sudden, next thing we know, it we're we're talking deals. And this particular case, it was uh, it was a gentleman uh, here in the Dallas area that was doing insurance claims, and he had a buddy that, that was looking at uh, purchasing a marina, and so he he got us two in, in together, and kind of the rest was history. So, you know, we met through that, and it was just my hard work of going around and networking. Uh, and that's that's really important is get yourself out there. Get your name, get yourself out there. Get yourself known. Don't don't hide behind a shell. And if you really want to do it, then do it. And that's what I said to myself. Look, I, I ended up losing my job. I worked, used to work at Baker Hughes, lost my job. And I said, well, this is my new full time job. And I want to move forward with my life and push forward. I don't want a job anymore. I want a career. This is, my, this is my career.
1: And I really, really want to emphasize that because I don't think people realize that it's full-time. I mean, from that, you know, called you one day and said, well, you want to move out of Canada down to Tahoe and help me. And then, you know, we closed on the marina. So let's jump to the deal of the marina. Like, so you found it. Maybe some of the highlights of the due diligence, obviously background checks, looking at the financials, looking at customer records. What are some of the other just obvious things you do when you find a broken down you know, biz.
2: Okay. Well, first of all, I have twelve-page-long due diligence list, and it goes through everything: zoning, contracts, warranties, insurance, insurance claims, directors and officers. It just goes on and on and on and on. I mean, some things won't won't be relevant depending whether you're buying the business name, you know, the assets, or what what are you're buying. So some, some things won't be relative. But it certainly gives the person on the other side, you know you're a professional. You know what you're talking about. Boy, this person means business. And sure enough, you know, they started having to provide all this information. They really knew that we meant business. Uh, another thing is doing a letter of intent first before you do a purchase agreement. And people are, well, what is a letter of intent? What's, what's it use? A letter of intent just is just not. It's I have a letter giving you a letter of intent to purchase. It is a non-binding contract, where if you're getting into a purchase agreement, that is a binding contract you're, both parties are signing. So that's the one step that I always say first. Get into a letter of intent, that gets your discussion going. You can start doing your due diligence and looking at financing options while you're working on the purchase agreement. So it kind of gets you all that pre-work done say, these aren't deals that take 30, 60 days. And sometimes you'll get a very anxious seller saying, well, I want this closed in 30 days. Okay. Well, uh, the way I did it is I did the letter of intent first. I let them work on that, let work things out. Then I did a purchase agreement and that was ended up being 30 days. In the meantime, that whole process took like 65 days to do. So, and even then that is a very short period of time. Again, we did. We looked at the background of the, of the owners, we looked at the story behind it, what those assets were worth, the customer base, and we just kept building on that, building on that, and looking at the numbers. The rental boats, we had a fleet of rental boats. Uh, how old are they? What kind of maintenance do they need? We have uh, a variety of buildings here. That, what other uses can we have? What, how can we optimize those, those buildings? So those are the kind of things that we looked at and, and the big part of it was having the right team. Each person on our team brings something unique to the business. No one no one person is has the same qualifications. And I can't stress enough, your team is your most important thing. I say never do it alone, especially if you're going into your first business, ne- never going alone. Going alone in your first business, you're going there's something you're going to miss along the way. It's just yourself, right? There's no one there to for the checks and balances. Those are the type of things that I look at.
1: Absolutely. And I think just to stress your team point is having somebody that has a lot of deal experience, you know, would be other things I would stress having someone who has the finance and accounting. Uh, like you said, you know, finding Lance and finding a really good operator. As we look at bringing on other sources of revenue, It's finding people who have experience. I think some of the biggest mistakes beginners make is a group of beginners get together and say, let's go do a deal. I mean, if if you're the beginner, you better find a team. I I couldn't even imagine, like, you know, cannabis is a whole nother project that we're into, and we went and found, and we're continuing to find the team. And, you know, eventually we'll put, you know, quite a consulting group together as we find that team. And this isn't your friends, it's not your family. It's not, you know, your newbie best friends or people that have been around for a while. These are people who you may have to seek out. You may not know them. And you think, oh, well, my gosh, how am I going to do deals with strangers? Because they're smart and they have experience and they have access that you don't have. I think those are huge team points. Um, don't you think, Dave, that most people miss? because To me, I just I find that the, one of the biggest mistakes. You know, I, you know, go to real estate groups all over the country. You've been to real estate groups and they all tend to like be the buddy clubs. And I'm like, it's never going to work. You don't have enough skill sets on the team.
2: Yeah. I've done that myself. You know, we've all experienced that. I'm in my fifties now and um, I've been there and done that. And, you know, Hey, let's bring your buddies together that have the kind of the same experience and the same, same background as you, or again, or they're just your buddies, um, do they have that expertise? And probably not. I've done that with my friends and family and that just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So if you go, you know, when you go into business with someone, you, you really don't know. Sure. You, you have to get to understand them and what they bring to the table and, uh, you know, what their, what their access strategy is going into it and what they bring to the table. So I can't stress that enough, or you're going to, you're going to run into troubles.
1: <laughs> a lot of troubles. Let's talk about another category. So we've talked about money rules and what you need to be doing. We talked about some due diligence, how to find some deals. Let's talk about the deal structure. And again, using the marina as an example, you know, the components that typically come to a deal is knowledge. And usually knowledge and ex and experience, you know, get you a seat at the equity table. Uh, money, just operational excellence. I mean, talk about kind of the components of the deal and then you know, in this situation, we needed the money to come very quickly. And by bringing money very quickly, you know, one of those partners of ours got quite an extra bump, for not just bring it for, you know, regular money. I'd say the urgency of the money.
2: That's right. That's right. Exactly. We went into this with, with two components, an equity side and a debt side, it, actually two kind of debt sides. So we approached the owners to do seller financing. They wanted, they wanted a quick sell. You know, they had other, other business activities that they were doing that they wanted to get involved with, that were too involved with and didn't really have the time for that. So we thought, okay, well, how do we, you know, take advantage of that? We said, okay, no problem. We can give you a, a fairly quick close, but you have to come to the table as well. So uh, seller financing, they came to the table for just under 50% of the value of the of the property, they took a loan back it's a 20 year amortization and with a 5 year term the the rates were pretty good and we just had to go out and find the rest of 55% of the of the loan we brought in equity partners and we were able to raise the money fairly quick that way with also an option to refinancing what we're doing is we are doing about a million dollars in renovations to the property uh, we have uh, debt financiers coming in for basically from the, from the big table, uh, offering uh, double-digit returns, secured against the property. We're turning around and refinancing out uh, and paying everyone off. So we, we do have an um, you know, extra strategy for investors. We want to basically rebuild this area to back to its glory days. It was purchased in the 1950s originally uh, or built in the 1950s. And we're just trying to bring back those those days where people want to see those farmers markets, those bands come over and have, uh, you know, come for a a hot dog and hamburger and and beer and enjoy the day. Because here in Texas, you know, when I say summer, summer means, you know, April 1st around here. So (laughs) there's plenty of summer in, in Texas, that's for sure. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where we structured it is we got the seller's involved in it generally you want to try to do it with the seller's financing at some point for one if something's gone wrong with the deal it still makes them partly responsible and they'll want to get it fixed and which our case there was you know a couple small things that motivates them to to get to get it done to finish off uh small straggler deals that we have to get uh, cleaned up the other thing is we were able to do a second position with the owners. So we went into it saying, look, no bank is going to take us uh, a second position. They're going to want to come in at, sec- at first position. We need to have you guys go into second position with this uh, large loan. And they agreed to it. We did have to pay another quarter percent to them, but it's worth it for a second position loan. And we're in, at the end of the day, we bought away fully financed.
1: Oh, and we bought it for such a deal. So some of the some of the deal points I just want to kind of recap, you know, is the creativity of the deal, owner carrybacks, closing with urgency and speed. I think a lot of times your analysis paralysis gets in the way, which is why having someone on the team who knows how to expedite a deal, um, and we did our cannabis land in 72 hours. People hear that and say, like, you're insane. But between our collective experience, I mean, we knew how to get it done. I think a lot of deal structures like, you know, the one that I'm financing right now, I mean, extremely creative. So use the use of the money, uh, the return of the money, the urgency if needed buys you more time. I also would say that first money into a deal structure is typically gets more because it's the highest risk. Once a deal's up and operational, and you really just need operating capital, that money's not worth as much because we already proved the concept. It's already up and running. So for example, you know, in the marina, we're gathering some money together to do some rehab. Well, we already have the deal. So the rehab money is not as, uh, it won't deserve any equity. So do you want to kind of speak to the quality maybe of the money too in a deal? Because I think that's something people don't realize that money's just not money. There's qualities of money and there's, you know, urgencies of money. And
2: that's right. Uh, when, When you're first starting these deals and getting off ground, you have to give up something at the end of the day. Um, If you're going in there thinking you're going to take all the control as a single person and bring in other people that bring in the money, the big money, that's just not going to happen. That's not reality. They've got the money. They could have the control. It depends, again, how you structure it. In this case, we're able to get the previous owners to do almost 50 percent of the deal. And therefore, they didn't have to come in. the, The money people didn't have to come in with as much. So we still have uh, some control on here, but they did take a, a lion's share of the of the equity again because we want to get the deal done. It looks good for them, and it's it's great for them to get this deal. And they, there's so much opportunity to move forward with them. And that said, now we've got the uh, we've got the deal done, and we've got the renovation side. Now is no, we we wouldn't be doing um, equity stakes because we don't need that. The deal is done, and it's moving forward. And now and it's this place is operational, but we still want to get people involved and uh, we want to uh, move forward and, and build on the business. So we're able to give that debt, debt structure. It's in this case, we have a one year uh, note with the uh, mortgage stock on it as well, too, that will be secured by the building. There's not really a downside. Uh, and there is there's a good there's a pretty good upside. You're getting double digit returns on that investment.
1: Awesome. So in closing, I mean, money rules, due diligence, how to find the deals, how to structure the deals. It's, you know, what we love to teach. We love uh, the expertise of that. Any final kind of thoughts or caution to uh,
2: folks? The really important thing that I learned in all this process over the last year, background checks. You have to do background checks. So uh, we we've had to walk away with a deal, a beautiful, beautiful deal in Montana. Uh, just because somebody's background check did not come back very well at all. And you just have to deal with that. Move on. You know, we lost money due, with costs cost of getting that set up, but don't move forward with it if somebody's background check is comes, uh, pretty nasty. So that's a, you know, can be a lesson learned with some people.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, Dave, we appreciate it. And uh, those of you that are on the podcast, uh, you will be hearing from him on a regular basis as we continue other projects and other due diligence and other deals. And what I find in teaching about this is to just give you examples. You'll also be hearing coming up on podcasts from Jesse on how he puts together real estate deals and real estate funds. And you'll be hearing more on how we're putting a cannabis fund together in several forms. And just in general, we just find there's, you know, the Shark Tank's done an extraordinary entertaining job, I'd call it, of bringing to light, you know, the power of being an entrepreneur. But a lot of those deals are not real. Like, I mean, they're they're real to TV, and the, but the backdrop behind how they actually get done is not really spoken out loud. Because like in our case, I mean, you wouldn't even entertain equity. And this is for most people with hard money lending, any deal structure. I mean, you start the game at a million dollars. And any students who ever come to us and say, I need to raise, you know, 100,000, 200,000, we would say, make it get a proper business plan, go get, you know, traditional financing, get a different kind of team. Like that's not typically an amount of money that you'd want to give a lot of equity to. So we're here to train you, teach you the reality of the street, because we live on the streets, not literally, but live on the streets from uh, owning real assets. You know, I always say, you know off Wall Street assets is about owning what's in your community, your restaurant, your marina, soon to be hopefully a convenience store is what I'm wanting out there and maybe even at like a cool little fun restaurant out on the water and somebody's gonna help on all that and somebody will step in and be a big part. So uh, you can have what you want, just make sure you have money rules, due diligence, know how the deals get structured and if you don't know, go to com, put in your name, phone number and email and say, hey, I was listening to that podcast with Dave and Laurel and I really want to learn more about deal structure. I have a deal and I want to, you know, talk to him about it and uh, just uh, put in your question or your request and uh, we'll be back to you in about 24 hours. So, Dave, thank you for being on uh, Laurel's Real Money Talks.
2: Very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: And the rest of you, uh, it's been great having you. Have an extraordinary day. and We'll be back uh, with more on Laurel's Real Money Talks. Take care.
0: Thank you for joining Laurel for this segment of Real Money Talks, how to make money, manage money, and invest money. To continue this new conversation and to find free resources to support your wealth creation, visit asklaurel.com forward slash podcast gifts. That's A-S-K-L-O-R-A-L dot com forward slash podcast gifts. Thanks for listening and join us again soon. New episodes are released every week.